Well, we're continuing on this series on, on great things, uh, great commission, great commandments, uh, great God, today great uh, future. <coughs> Do you remember that one? Uh, great future. Uh, and what, what is it? What, what is our great future? What, what's this great future that the Bible talks about that uh, we as Christians believe in? Uh, what, what is it? Well, I want to talk about that this morning. But I want to start with a bit of a statement of truth. I want to see if uh, this, this resonates or makes sense to you. Um, the thing we set our eyes upon, the, the, the thing we desire most in the future, should change our present. Do you agree with that? Um, I'll, I'll put it simply. Um, let's say you're in high school and you've got this goal in mind. You, you set your sights on whatever it is, becoming a teacher a lawyer, um, becoming a tradie, uh, being a bum, um, sitting at home bludgeoning off your parents. I don't know. It seems to be a legitimate goal nowadays because so many kids do it. Um, you know, whatever it is you get your sights set on, you sit there going, this is what I want to do. Now that changes how you live, doesn't it? I, if I need those sort of marks to get the, the career I want, well, I'm going to work hard. I need to be studying now. I need to be doing that. If I, I need a career in trades, then um, I need to be sort of putting things in place now. The, the things we desire and aim for, the things we set our sights on, should impact how we live our life. And it's no different for the, the Christian life. The thing we set our sights on, the things we aim for, the things set before us, should change how we live now. And so by looking at our great future, I hope we can see that um, it will change, as Peter so aptly prayed, um, almost prophetically, Peter, um, you know, that, that we would be changed now, we'd be lived that out now. So we're going to look to uh, the book of Revelation. I love the book of Revelation. Uh, the book of Revelation is like the comic book of the Bible. Um, it is all images, it is all pictures, uh, it, is, it is fantastic images, the stuff you find in comic books, uh, and, uh, and sometimes you go, what on earth is this about? Um, but we'll be looking at a, a bit here, um, and I'm actually going to attempt to give you an entire summary of the book of Revelation um, as, as we do that. So we're going to turn to Revelation 21, verses 1 to 7, uh, and the book of Revelation is written by John. He was uh, one of Jesus' disciples. Uh, he's the last living disciple. He outlives all the other, the, the, the apostles at least, the other 12, 13 if you count Judas and then the new one. Um, and he's in exile in the island of Patmos. He's basically been arrested and put on house arrest. So he's put on this island and said, you'll be living here the rest of your days. And as he's living there, God appears to him and gives him this, this vision, this revelation, and tells him quite clearly you're to write down and record everything that you see. And so Revelation 21, there's only 22 chapters, so we're right at the end here. And Revelation 21 is the beginning of the very last vision that, that he receives, this, this image that he's given. Uh, and it says this. We'll, uh... Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was gone, also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne, saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. 
He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. So there is John, caught somewhere between heaven and earth. Uh, having these visions shown to him. And, and this vision, there's something familiar about this vision. It's, it's a city, he, and he's been to many cities before. John has preached the gospel all over the known world as he's gone to spread the good news. And so he's seen cities. He's seen the biggest and the best of cities, and yet here is this city that descends before him. And it is unlike any city he has ever seen before. It is huge. It is monstrous. This thing can't be, he can't see the dimensions of this city. He can't even take in the entirety of it is so big. But it's not just the size and the scope of this city that's before him that is so utterly compelling. It's what the city's made of. As he, as he pays close attention to the detail of the city, he sees that its streets are made of gold. That its walls are made of precious stones, that it's built upon 12 foundations of, of diamond and topaz and ruby and, and amethyst and all these precious stones. In fact, in his mind, he begins to think if, if you were to gather all the minerals of the entire earth, every ounce of gold and every precious jewel that the, the mountains and the caves contain and uh, in the vast um, depths of the, of the earth, even if you were to gather all of that, I don't even think there would be enough there to be able to create such a city. In fact, in all the wealth that, that Solomon had, he never would have dreamed of anything like this. It was so splendid to behold. It was unique, it was precious, it was wonderful. But the thing that stood out most, the thing besides the sheer scale of it, besides the, the, the wealth and the opulence of this city, the thing that stood out to him most of all was that there was no sun, there was no moon, there were no stars, there was nothing to provide light, there was nothing to provide heat or warmth for the city. But as he looked upon the city, it had everything it needed. And the reason it had everything it needed was because God himself was present in the city. It was the presence of God that struck John, that, that, that impressed itself upon him, that, that stood out, that this was the thing that made this city unique above all others, the sheer presence of God. And it left an impression on him. Because this wasn't the first image that, that had been revealed to John. John had gone through a whirlwind journey of, of human history as God opened his eyes to everything that had taken place and all that was to happen. And it started with an image of seven churches. There were seven lampstands and, and there were seven uh, angels with these seven lampstands. And, and, and John scratched his head saying, what is this? And oh, this is the church. 
uh, these are the seven churches. And there was a message spoken to the churches. And the message was this. The message always centered around truth and obedience. That, that there is truth, that there is God, that there is a good and right way to live, that there are good and right things to do. There, there is a right way to worship God, that there is truth. And you were either obedient or disobedient to that truth. That it compelled John to see that there is a good way of living life. Then the next vision that he came across was uh, the throne room of heaven. Uh, he was taken up and there was, was a throne. There were angels around worshipping. There was someone seated on the throne. And as he looked at the, the throne, he noticed a scroll uh, in the throne room. And this scroll was, was, was sealed by seven wax seals uh, along it. And uh, an angel took it and declared, who, who can open the seals? Who can open the, the scroll? And the scroll was salvation. Uh, this was God's plan to save the earth. But who can open it? And it was the Lamb of God who was there who was able to open it. And as each of those seals were, were cracked open, one by one, slowly but surely, John could see, God gave him a glimpse of what those were doing. As each seal was broken, the world screamed in agony. There was pain, there was suffering, there was injustice, there, there was um, abuse, there was violence, there was uh, just this, all sorts of horrendous and awful things taking place on the earth. And it spoke to John about the, this need, that this world that, that he is part of, this world that he lived in, is, there was something severely wrong with this place. That this, is, this isn't good. This isn't right. Something needs to be done. He was then shown to another vision where seven angels presented seven trumpets and the seven trumpets were blown. And this, this represented God's judgment upon the earth, that God was not content to look and look at a world that is broken, a world that's suffering, a world filled with such violence and corruption and evil. And he was not content to sit back and do nothing about it. And so the judgment of God would come upon the earth. And again, that brought great screams, great agony, great uh, times of turmoil and, uh, and trial and tribulation for the earth. These were horrendous things he was looking at. Uh, as we're, as, as, certainly as I read um, and look at the words that are presented in Revelation, um, I mean, my, my mind flashes with all sorts of images of the world we live in. Flashes to, to, to the, the injustices. Uh, to, the, to the poverty, to the famine, uh, to the, the utter, utter disgraceful ways that humans treat other humans. This world we live in is not a pleasant place. It is not nice. It is not just. It is not right. And a great battle broke out before his eyes. He read stories and saw stories, or reread stories. He saw stories of great dragons and beasts and, and, and coming and rising up and, and pitting themselves against God and, and the heavenly armies. And this great war broke out between good and evil. And people took sides. Uh, people took sides and there, and there were marks. People were marked as to which side you were on. 
Um, you, you want me to preach on the mark of the beast now, don't you? Come on, who, who wants me to preach and tell you exactly what that means? No? Um, the marks that, um, that, that were on the body, because it wasn't just those who sided with the evil side that were marked. It was those who were on, on the side of good and on the side of God were also marked. And it was the people's actions. It was the things they did that marked you as you were on good or evil side. And as he watched this great battle play out, he realised that there could only be one victor. There could only be one winner. And as he sat and watched this great battle take place and unfold, he realised that it was the armies of heaven, it was God himself and his side that came out on top. Seven bowls were then presented. And these seven bowls were poured out to eradicate and do away with all evil. And in this process, God's judgment was holy, it was just, and it was complete. And it was over. The battle was won. He saw the judgment of sin and the destruction of evil take place. He saw the evil one, Satan, and all of his minions cast into the fiery lake. Uh, he saw it was over. And from the very beginning to the very end, he saw everything. It was all, all presented to him. The world as it is. He saw the evil the pain, the suffering, the injustice. I mean, do I need to go on? He saw the world for what it is. I've got to tell you, I, I sat there and Googled, um, is the world a good or bad place? Um, just to see what would come up. Just to see, what, what are people saying about that? What, what, what is the, the rhetoric? What are the stories people saying about this world? Um, because I've got to say, from our perspective, living in a Western country, living in a, a civilised uh, country, living in a Christianised culture, um, living as, as some of the most affluent people who have ever lived, um, life can be pretty good, can't it? Life can be good. Yeah? And it's not that there aren't good things in this world. God created a, a great and perfect world. Uh, he created beautiful things. He created um, wonderful things. He created us in his image to, to steward that and to enjoy it and to multiply and be fruitful and, and, and to, to live in harmony and peace with one another. And, and there are glimpses of that. There are moments we find of that. Uh, and we, above all people, get to see more of those glimpses and get to enjoy most of that. But when you take the world as a whole, the world is not a good place. The world is not a good place. We live in comfort. In our world, because others don't. If we were to share the resources evenly that this world has to offer across everybody, we wouldn't live the lives we live. We just wouldn't. We take more than our fair share. Um, the world is not a, a just place. The world's not fair. The world is not even. And you bring it down to your own life. You don't even have to look outside your own life, do you? To recognise something is wrong. Something is deeply wrong. I remember those times I felt pain, where I felt my heartache, where I was in tension with somebody else. And it was awful. It was awful. No one wants to be there. Let alone every time you've been sick, hospitalised, injured. As my father-in-law likes to say, you know, James, I'm just suffering from AGE. It took me a while to... I'm trying to work out. 
I, I, I had no idea what he was talking about. And he said, age, James, age. So, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, we look at this world. Um, and the best I could find out there on the internet, the best I could find was try to ignore the problems and, and just live in the moment and enjoy what you have. And I'm sorry, but I'm not content with that. To accept that the world is the way it is and to make the most of it, that nothing can be done about it. And I know God's not happy about that either. God longs to do something. And John saw this play out. He saw God's attempts and and God's plan to, to, to fix this broken thing and to bring it to a place where ultimately he finds himself presented with this last image, this image of the heavenly city, this bride uh, that's been prepared for God, this place large enough that, that everyone can enter, large enough that we all might live there, large enough that we can find a home there. And as he sat there and looked at this great place, as he looked at this great future that was before him, this city, this heavenly city, um, John felt like he could rest. He felt that, that, that he could stop, that he could, could find a place that that was home. And he felt the warmth of the presence of God upon him. He felt God's presence. And can you imagine what that felt like? Exposed to the filth of the world and then finding such a paradise such a place free of corruption and of sin and of evil that's the great future that awaits that's the thing placed before each and every one of us that God has said this is the future this is the hope that you have A place like this that exists. And it made me stop and think, what's my vision of the end? What am I actually longing for in the end? What am I hoping that heaven will be like? Um, Am I hoping, is my great hope that that it will be eternal life? That, yeah, I'll I'll get to live forever. Is that that my hope? Uh, Is my hope for the future that I will be free from from suffering? That's pretty attractive, yeah, I'm pretty drawn to that. Um, that that's, that's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, free from sickness and disease and illness. Am I looking forward to, to being free from, from strife in my relationships? Uh, that as we engage and encounter one another in that, that great place, that sin will no longer hinder my relationship with you. Think of the most intimate and close relationship you have here on earth. It is nothing compared to what you will experience in heaven. And yet I'll have that with everybody. Am I looking forward to that? Am I looking forward to being myself? Not having to check my words and be on guard. Just to be free to be myself. Uh, Knowing that myself will be good enough. Knowing that myself will be wonderful. Knowing that myself will be perfect. Uh, am Am I looking forward to that? What is it we're looking forward to? Because this story in Revelation points to all of that. It says, yep, all that's going to be there. That's all going to be great. But above all of that will be this one thing. 
this one thing that will make the difference. That God will be there. That you will be with God. That's, there's the glow, there's the warmth, there's the glow, there's the light, there's the star, the sun, the moon, there's the source of all life right there. God himself will be with us and sustain us and give us all we ever, ever want, ever need. Um, I don't know about you, but when I was young, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so I didn't know anything about God. It wasn't until I was um, 15 that, that I started going to church and, and became convinced that that Jesus actually died, that he, he did live, he, he was a person within history, and that all of history, God has been actively involved throughout history, laying out this plan to save people, to welcome them into his family. And I, I, I accepted that um, at, at 15 and said, yeah, I, I, I want to be part of your family, God. Um, this sounds too good to be true. I didn't know whether I just hit the jackpot or whether I was being duped or not at that time. Um, but as I've come to study it and look at it and compare it to every other story out there, uh, every other religion, um, I've come to see that there's nothing like um, the gospel that, that we find in Jesus Christ, the good news, this story that we have. Uh, nothing like it at all. But my images of heaven when I was, was young was probably what I picked up in comics. Um, so it was the, the picture of, you know halos and fluffy white clouds and harps and and who knows why we all want to lounge around in white dresses um the whole time but that was my image of heaven that was sort of what heaven was like uh, and, and maybe the next image of, of heaven that i got in my mind because you know the only thing i knew about church were, were Sunday services to begin with. You know, is this going to be heaven? Because um, you know, in Revelation it gives images of the great multitude gathered before the throne room of God, bowing down and worshipping. And I, I thought, surely not. If heaven is one giant, long, big church service, count me out. Like, count me out. That, that is not my image of heaven. Like, that, that, that would just bore me senseless. You know, is, if, is that what's on offer here? Is that what it's all about? I used to think that. I used to think that. That was all I had. That was all an image. And I used to think how boring to be there, worshipping God 24-7 for eternity. But who did I think I was to think that God would not be enough? That God would not be enough to captivate me? That he would not be enough for me to gaze upon for all of eternity and be satisfied. That his presence would not be so intoxicating and overwhelming that he wouldn't be able to keep my attention for all of eternity. Because I tell you this, if he can't keep your attention for all of eternity, what will? What on earth could amuse you and keep you satisfied and keep you content and keep you healthy? And focused for all of eternity if God can't. Eternity is a long time. If God is not enough, what would be enough? And so if heaven is one great big long church service where I get to gaze upon God and bask in his glory and in his presence for all of eternity, then I'm in. I'm in. I can't think of anything else that would satisfy. 
anything else that would amuse. And that is the very picture we're given here in Revelation. Let me read to you from uh, Revelation 21 uh, towards the end, 22 to 24. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need for sun or moon, for the, the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. God will be enough. That's our great future. Yeah, eternal life. Yep. Yeah, no pain and suffering. Yep. Yeah, beautiful relationship with everyone I meet. Never in conflict. Never in argument. Never having to apologize. Can you imagine never having to apologize ever again, men? Why do I say men then? I don't know. Um, women? Kids? <laughs> Parents? You will never have to apologize ever again. There'll be no cause to apologize. That's all there for us. That's all waiting. That's all part of the deal. But they are all symptoms. They are all side effects. They are all things you get as bonuses. Because the real hope, the real prize, the real future is to be with God. God is our prize. God's our price. How does that change how we live today? How does knowing that that's our destiny, that that's our future, how does that shape how we live today? For me personally, I had to repent. Um, I had to repent of that image and, and, and that, that, that decision I had made in my mind that, my goodness, if, if heaven is, is just one long church service, then I'm sorry, God, I'm out. Um, I'd repent of that. If, God's, if, if heaven's just all about worshipping you, God, uh, singing praises to you for all time, I'm out. You know, that sounds boring. I'd repent of that. And go, you know what, it's not that you are deficient. It's not that I'm reading things right. It's that I'm reading things wrong. It's that I'm sorry, God, that I ever thought that this life was about anything but being with you, living with you, worshipping you, knowing you. I'm sorry that I thought life was about anything besides that. What does that mean now? It's not that I repented and all of a sudden, oh, look, I've got this heart that longs for nothing but to be with God. That's not how it works. I had to make decisions. I had to make choices. I had to say, okay, I will choose to be with you whenever I can. I will prioritise coming and gathering with your people, learning from them. I will, I will discipline myself to, to read your word, to, to see how you're revealed in it, to, to, to know you better through it. I, I will commit myself to praying. I, I, I will try and, and, and get... And be the people of God whenever I can. I, I'm going to work towards being the type of person I know I'm going to be in heaven. Someone who longs to be in your presence, longs to be with your people, longs to serve, longs to bless others. So I'm going to work towards that. Because that's where I'm heading. That's who I want to be. The thing we set our sights on, with the thing we set our sights on, 
the thing that we desire in the future should change how we live today. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you that uh, I'm not sure if any of us, if we, we, we were even given a week to do it, maybe even months, maybe a lifetime, could think of a better future, an eternal future, a future Jesus calls paradise, a future free from pain and suffering, no more tears, no more crying. A future where we are satisfied and content, where we are in relationship, where we get to enjoy all the good things, but ultimately where we get to see you face to face. I can't think of a better future. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you would help us here and now, that you would reshape the desires of our heart that you would help us to fix our eyes on you the king of glory that that would that would be something that our hearts long for that we desire help us redeem us transform us Amen.